When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast, where it's all about believing in and executing on different and innovative ways to strengthen both your leadership and communication skills to help increase your success and especially in today's disruptive business environment. One of the most effective ways of building stronger leadership and communication skills is by embracing the principles of improvisation. (laughs) Yes, that's right, improv. Your host, Peter Margaritas, is an improv virtuoso. He's also a certified speaking professional and a CPA, also known as the Accidental Accountant. Each episode of Change Your Mindset is designed to bring you different and innovative ideas, thoughts, and behavioral changes on a variety of differing topics, with the sole purpose of strengthening your critical soft skills. We may call them soft skills, but they are the hardest to master. And when we do, greater success and growth is the result. So jump in and start changing your mindset now. Let's start the show. Today, my guest is Carl Oryx, and Carl has been a guest on this podcast four times, and he's a great friend and very knowledgeable in this conversation we're going to have today. Carl specializes in helping professionals make order from chaos. He's a national speaker, author, and consultant, presenting on the people issues in all industry, and is often quoted in the local and national media. Carl's experience is ideally suited for times of organizational change as he pulls on risk management and organizational development theories to replace best practices with next practices. He owes much of his communication mastery to working as a writer and editor in daily media, to the -the on-the-job writing experience, and to the process of becoming a published author. Carl joined Gregory and Appel Insurance in 2010 after serving as founding partner of Exact Hire, bringing his HR operations, diversity and belonging and learning and development skills with him. Carl's affinity for design, composition and learning started at a very young age by taking and examining thousands of boring pictures with the goal of improving his craft. And that is so cool. Carl loves to deploy that practice to improve approach in all manners of hobbies, including writing haiku, mastering cutting edge technology, and learning Spanish. In 2003, he was named the SHRM Society for Human Resource Management, Human Resource Professional of the Year for the state of Indiana. He is on boards of several organizations, including the Maryland Society of CPAs. So before we get to the interview, just a few housekeeping items. 
Offscript, Master in the Art of Business Improv, is available for purchase on Amazon in paperback and Kindle. If you'd like to learn more about the book or better yet, order a copy, go to offscriptimprov.com and order your copy by just clicking the click to order button. Takes you right to the Amazon site. If you'd like to buy 10 or more books, please contact me so I can offer you a bulk discount. You can reach me through my email at peter at petermargaritas.com. Remember to subscribe to this podcast and share this podcast episode with a friend. I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a review of this show wherever you download your podcast from. Also visit my YouTube channel, Peter A. Margaritas, CSP, CPA, Business Improv Virtuoso, where you can see previous podcast video episodes along with this one. Hey, and while you're there, just hit the subscribe button so you won't miss any updates. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. This episode is sponsored by Peter A. Margaritas, LLC, also known as The Accidental Accountant. Are you looking for a speaker that can bring powerful content, virtually or in person or on-site, that is memorable and engaging in a way that motivates and inspires your audience? Instead of data dumping and numbing with numbers, imagine your people and teams delivering a financial story to your stakeholders. A story that creates engaging and relationship-building business conversations. Would you be interested in learning more about how that is accomplished? How would you feel if the value your facilitator provided your organization far exceeded the dollar amount on their invoice? Peter Margaritas, CPA and Certified Speaking Professional, delivers all of the above and much, much more. All of Peter's programs can be done virtually, in-person and on-site at your location, or at an off-site venue. Send Peter a note at peter at petermargaritas.com and or visit his website at www.petermargaritas.com to learn more about what Peter can bring to your next conference, management retreat, or workshop. Now, let's get to the interview with Carl Ulrichs. Hey, welcome back, everybody. My guest today is Mr. Carl Ulrichs, and he has been on my podcast in the past three times, and he's now the first person to be a four-peter. I'm looking forward to our conversation today because he's, he is the HR guy, and yes. HR inside and out. He's also a certified speaking professional um, and a good friend for many, many years. Carl, thank you for coming back. I know I had to bribe you to come back on my show, but I appreciate you taking time I, to be on it. I would like to thank the Academy. Um, actually, your timing was perfect because I have just been doing the preparation work for a global presentation in, at the Sherm Society Human Resource Management, uh, their global talent conference. And I have some fresh data on a couple of scary things and uh, three or four simple low cost tactics that if people were to, they may already be doing them, they can check them off. But if you're not, this is a way to uh, resignation proof uh, your organization. I don't care how large you are. Um, there's a couple simple things. If you do, you won't leave, you won't lose as many of your high performing people in the next year. Well, then this ought to be interesting then. So uh, fill me in with your, with, with your 
fresh data and what what you've uncovered and try to uh, starting said that you're going to talk about fighting the great resignation on a low budget there you go and this came actually the the origins of my interest came from a standing in line at a coffee shop and eavesdropping on the ex-employee right in front of me ex-employee not of the coffee shop but of some organization that they had just resigned from and they were talking about this with their friend who was commiserating about the resignation no they didn't have any new place to go they just had to leave they were confident in this job market that they could find a new place to go and so i'm listening to this trying to parse what triggered the resignation was it their behavior was it the job fit that they didn't feel any passion for what they were doing? No. Um, and, and it wasn't the money. Uh, it wasn't the money. It was because they didn't feel that their boss listened to them or cared about them. They were disconnected because their boss didn't check in with them. And part of that's zoom fatigue but also it was clear that this person was a high performer it was clear that this person was a good one was one of the good employees and so the first point i want to make is that it's human nature uh, for the purposes of our brief conversation i'm going to assume everybody listening has some supervisory uh duties that you supervise somebody Asterisk, if you are in a relationship with somebody, everything I say applies. In general, if we look at a department, let's say we've got 20 people in the department, because I can do the math on that. Um, yeah, Peter's a CPA, I am not. So 20 people in the department, you'll have, if you do a standard distribution curve, and imagine me drawing a distribution curve in the air, you've got 14 people who work hard, don't hurt you, show up every day. You've got three people that are low performers who are struggling with their role or something. You've got three people who are high performers. And if, if, if you could get a basket of them, you'd be in heaven because they're hitting the ball out of the park on a daily basis and they don't require much from management to do it. Okay. You're the boss. Where do you spend your time? Peter, you're the boss. Where do you spend your time? Well, I should spend my time with the high performers, not micromanaging them, but, you know, but staying in contact with them. But I'm probably spending most of my time with, of that 14, those who might be on the side of the low performers are going in that direction and marking with the low performers versus. Right. The, uh, in general, when I present this to a room full of operations people or CEOs, et cetera, nobody says high performers. And I bust them on that and ask them why. And they respond with, Peter, what would, you're, you're, you're a CEO. I've asked you, why aren't you spending time with your high performers? You already said they don't need my time. They don't need my time. They're, they're high performers. They don't need me micromanaging them. Right, right, right. However, they do need the contact. Well, funny you should mention that. Okay, I've got a piece of paper here and a pen. Okay. Peter, what motivates high performers? Go. The work, the challenge. The challenge, yeah. uh, recognition, 
recognition. Keep going. Money is somewhere involved in that. But it's okay, not the main cash. Well, 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 one of the main motivators. A high quality peer group. Yeah. Uh, stretch assignments. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, here's what happens. What motivates high performers only comes from a quality relationship with the boss they respect. And okay. that only comes from intentional conversation where the boss appears to listen to them. Do that. Here's something people can do. I got this from the best boss I ever had. I mean, everybody has a boss that they would work for for less money. Absolutely. Okay, here's how to be that boss. I had a, I wish you could have been there. My best boss ever always had, uh, and for visual graphics, I'm holding up a folded piece of paper that is an Excel spreadsheet. And my boss always had this single sheet of Excel tucked into his jacket pocket or his coat pocket, and he would fuss with it during the day. And I called him on it, said, what's that? And he said, this is why I'm the CEO. He had his intentional communications list printed fresh every Monday morning. And during the week, it reminded him, he had four columns, person's name, how did they prefer to communicate? That was the second column. Third column was what were they interested in outside of work? And the fourth column was a checkoff spot that he got them. And by intentionally making sure by Friday, he had touched everybody on the list, especially the high performers. Everybody felt listened to. That simple action meant, I mean, in the 10 years I worked for him, we never lost anybody he didn't want to lose. Because in his brief conversations, he had one key question he would ask. He'd make good eye contact. And by the way, this works great on teenagers. He would make good eye contact and he would ask, is there anything I should know? It works good on 22 year olds too. Yeah, it does. But it's not the money. Um, money is a very small part of why employees quit. Asterisk. The further you get down the economic food chain, the more important money is. But the way to get a raise these days is to change where you work. Because internally, people have not done their compensation analysis and realized that they're underpaying a whole department. And people in that department are going to get a raise by going across the street. So do find, seek out a compensation expert. In fact, Peter, I have someone you could talk to um, and make them a part of your podcast. Okay. But make sure that this in this time of inflation, make sure that you are tracking what the wage scales are. I, Peter, what have you seen signs out front of a pizza joint offering money for drivers? Uh, yes. What what dollar sign popped out at you? I saw one that was a thousand dollars. Was that like a signing bonus? Yes. I haven't seen that, but I've seen like 15, 18 dollars an hour. No, I saw a $1,000 signing bonus at uh, National. Well, it probably caused that at a, at a national firm, you know, but really it's not, it, it, money is a component here, but the big point I wanted to make was that relationships are critical. If let's talk, let's, this whole extrovert, introvert thing for a moment, who makes a better modern manager, 
an extrovert or an introvert and why? So I think the I think where everybody would position this question would be an extrovert. And of course that's wrong because I'm asking it. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So what are what are introverts really good at? Driving me crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. they're really good at the data. They're really good at the at the, at the They're really good at listening. That's yeah. a, that, I, you know what? That's a very good point. Yeah. More than extroverts. If if I can teach an introvert to get out of their office and walk around and appear to be interested in other people. Right. Operative term appear. Appear, yeah. They will become a much more powerful leader. If I can get an extrovert to pipe down and engage in active listening so the other person talks more, they will become a better leader. So we need somebody with both skills. But there's another thing that has emerged during COVID. This is this is new. There is a hunger for empathy, you know, where the leader shows their team that they're invested in them as people, not just employees. I know, I know. On the surface level, empathy is similar just to listening, but it it goes beyond attention. And it means being willing to say, I feel your pain without being judged or called out. Why? Well, could that be actually when you say, I feel your pain, but I guess sometimes people might think that as empathy, but it might be more sympathy. Oh, interesting. Because I've always, I've, I've, I've always been taught, or this is the definition of, of empathy, it's not putting yourself in somebody else's shoes but putting yourself to understand what that person feels in their shoes. Wow. So if I say, if I feel your pain, yeah, that it depends on, have you actually experienced that or are you just sympathizing with them? Some, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. Um, but what you have to be careful about, and this is where I'm an extrovert, I would then pivot and tell the story of why I feel their pain about when when Fluffy died or mm -hmm. when, you know, and that's a, you can do a little bit of that, but anything more than 60 seconds of it is too much. Right. The person needs to get back to telling their story. And this is where empathetic listening or sympathetic listening, maybe that'd be a good podcast, get a somebody who's really got some good book learning in this to explain the difference between empathy and sympathy. Well, let me ask you this question along this path of path of empathy. Who empathizes better, men or women? Wow. I would say women, and here's why. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody knows the Myers-Briggs type indicator. Right. One of the scales is thinking, feeling. Mm -hmm. Of the four scales in the Myers-Briggs, only thinking, feeling has a gender uh, bias. Um, all of the other scales are 50-50 on the genders. Thinking feeling is 40% males on feeling, 60% females. That was the, that was the premise. Remember the, the, the book um, I used to call, uh, Men Are From Mars, yeah. Women Are From Venus. I, right. I used to call it, men, <laughs> women, Women are from Venus and all men are idiots. Because if, <laughs> if, if you read through the book, the basic theme was, you know, the, the heroic, the, the heroism of feeling. 
Did you did you happen to read the book uh, Humans Are Underrated by Jeffrey Colvin, who is the managing editor editor for Fortune? No. In this book, he's you know he's talking about automation, or whatever. But in this book, he actually states that those who will be leaders in the future are those who are empathetic, and women make better leaders because they know how to empathize versus men. And, and I think probably eight years old. And I think it comes from what was spotted in the Myers-Briggs, where there is mm -hmm. actually a skewing yeah. of thinking, feeling. Right. It's only a 60-40 split. Right. So it's not like you can say all or most. You can just say some. Okay, um, I read that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people Good get point. people yeah. get too in love with these things and right. realize that you're painting with far too broad brushstrokes. Now, let me pivot from that to mm -hmm. something that I really want to make important in today's conversation. Right. The topic that is never discussed enough is mental health. When a person is in pain, all they can think of is the pain. When the person is not in pain, they can think about anything and everything. Offering, uh, as a leader, you have to know your people, know your people, know your people. You have to be aware when their behavior changes, probably because they're in pain. If what I've noticed happens when someone is having some kind of a mental health issue, they exaggerate their core behaviors. They become more of what they are. Someone who is very precise and orderly becomes compulsive. Someone who is already a risk taker becomes rebellious. Yeah, yeah, Somebody yeah. who is um, very self-absorbed and quiet disappears, never appears on a Zoom call, ne never, you know, may, may be listening, but never talks. Someone who is, here's my personal favorite, thinking of you, Peter, if someone is eccentric, they just become bizarre. <laughs> you nailed it, man. You nailed yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Know your people, know your people, know your people, so that when they exhibit an extreme behavior, somebody who on any day is very emotionally connected to work is crying in the bathroom, you know, or, or becomes an emotional butterfly and any conflict causes them to crumble and cry and leave the room. Know your people. You are allowed to pull them into privacy, make good eye contact and ask, is there anything I should know? And, you know, keep your own mental reserves up. Make sure you look after your own mental health so you can be prepared for what's ahead because you need to be tuned into the mental health of, of your team. You know, maybe today's a good day for, you know, is there something I should know? I, I just lost my dog of 15 years. Wow. Why don't you take a day off and be with your family? Um, we, we grew up in an era in corporate America that at, when we first got into the corporate world, uh, feelings don't belong in the office. Mm -hmm. Keep your personal stuff mm -hmm. over here. Right. Stuff over here. Well, and what happened was we blurred the line between family and office. Right. And we blurred the line between work and play. And, you know, I, I could be on a ski lift answering client emails. Right. 
I actually was recently. And the client doesn't care where I am. They think they just think, I mean, think of ourselves. It's it's two in the morning and you've got a surprise medical condition. Are you able to reach an online medical resource through telemedicine and have somebody diagnose you at two in the morning? Yeah. Happened in my household a month ago. You know, it started with 24 hour burger joints and we just got used to getting everything we wanted anytime. So are you saying these blurred lines occurred because of the pandemic or they've always no. been there? Everything we've talked about today started, I don't know, 10 years ago and has just been climbing. This this whole great resignation thing, it started 10 years ago. Uh, it was climbing, climbing, climbing. You can see it in Department of Labor statistics. They track resignations versus terminations. They've got a category. They call it quits. Uh, I love it. Yeah, and that was trending pretty solid until it hit March of 2020, uh, and then boom, and that's what we all freaked out about. But what we're seeing now is it's returning to the same slope. It's going up. People are, I think COVID caused everybody to sit and think about what's the, what's the point in life? What's the purpose? What am I doing? Right. And we're having, you know, bankers quit banking and open up a dog adoption agency or something. It goes to the point, and you said this earlier, listening to your people, getting to know your people. It's showing your people that you have appreciation for what they do. Yep. And I don't remember the name of the study, but I did quote it in, in, in the book Offscript. 78% of people leave their job because of a lack of appreciation. Yep. And the simple art of listening to somebody and parking your biases, parking your agendas, parking the distractions and be an active listener is a way of showing appreciation on a low budget. Wow. That's why you're Peter and I'm just the guest. No, that's why you're the super HR guy. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, it's, it's also interesting in our world, we have... It's like we went through phases. There was, okay, let's let's work with marketing and create great products. That'll cause us to be successful. Okay, that's working. Now let's work with operations and make an efficient organization. Let's do Six Sigma. Let's do Lean Theory. Let's make it all of, you know, we're, we're going to grow because we're efficient. Okay, that worked. And then what was next? It was the people. Well, they didn't get it right. They didn't you know, they, they didn't do a good job with that. We need to do a good job with that. And, and that will be why we become sustainable coming out of, of COVID is we'll get the people thing right. So when I, when I speak to accountants, CPAs and finance people at a conference, I'll ask them, what business are you in? Audit, no, that's a byproduct. You know, tax, a buy, consulting byproduct. And I get them to the point that somebody wants to come up and punch me in the nose. And I go, especially, business, especially the auditors. Yeah, especially the auditors. And, and but that's it. The business that you're in is the people business, first and foremost. Without yep. people, you have no business. Yeah. And the looks I get on faces is like, I don't understand. Yeah, some, they don't. Some get it. Nope. You know, but when you treat people like people, yeah. And communicate them like people and be empathetic and show appreciation versus your number. And I don't care what industry you're in. Right. I, I work across all industries. 
I have been in beautiful offices with foosball tables and break rooms and light music playing in the background. And they're terrible places to work because of the bosses not getting the people thing. Right. And then the next place I visit, um, the next place I visited was a lead acid battery recycling foundry. Yeah, all okay. Did you see the movie Terminator where at the end they're in this place that was like manufacturing hell. It had big vats of liquid metal. Yeah, it was there. Everybody's wearing moon suits. And if your pizza falls on the floor, it's not coming back. That place had the best managers and the most loyal employees and was the most fun place to work because of the people the surroundings were horrible it was like hell but the people got it it goes to the leader it goes to the culture that is being set by those at top in the board of directors yep and then we've got jamie diamond on the other hand who at some point as people coming back to work demanded that everybody come back to the office right how'd that work for him uh not really well well, and this attitude thing, it doesn't, for those of you that are suspicious of this, let me use an example. Instead of just directly talking about the people, they talked about something very important to the people. They talked about safety. Go back 20 years, if you want to Google Alcoa aluminum safety culture, this art, these, this, these articles are going to pop from about 20 years ago. So Alcoa was in real trouble financially. They were, their productivity levels were down. The quality levels were down. It was a mess. They got a new CEO and the new CEO held a briefing for investors on Wall Street. And he walks up to the microphone and everybody in the room from, from Bloomberg and all the news media are expecting him to say the normal things. We're going to turn around our financials. We're going to get more efficient and we're going to save this company. That's not what he said. He stepped up to the microphone and he says, for the next couple of years, if you want any indication how Alcoa is doing, you look at our safety record. And they're like, what? Just write it down. Look at our safety record. If we get our safety record right, everything is going to follow. All the employees were like, finally, we've been telling him. People are dying in these plants. And like two weeks later, there was somebody killed in one of the plants and call from the CEO, I'm coming right there. Shut the plant down. And the CEO personally led a full on investigation of how could this happen? Two years later, Alcoa had had a stunning recovery in the finances, in the quality, in the, in the, in the customers, but it was because of safety being a focus, which is a people oriented thing. Absolutely. Anyway, you know, it's so my point is it isn't just doing happy talk stuff, but it's it's doing things that are important to the people. Well, you bring up you bring up safety and along those lines, if, if we're not working that type of environment, there's this other type of safety, psychological safety. Where you right can speak, you can speak your mind and not be yep. reprimanded for it. Wow. There's, a, there's a, a, a culture that allows diverse thinking. 
And because in the hierarchy world, if you're not, if you don't agree with something, well, you're just not a team player. And you, you banish to a certain part of the, the organization where the other team players are, or you're perceived as a low performer. But just because you have different ideas doesn't mean that they're wrong. Wow. And the ability, and the ability to express those ideas in a manner that, ha- that the bosses show respect to it and you won't be reprimanded by it is another type of safety that um, can go a long way. And it's really true. Defeating this great resignation. Yeah. Or at least, I I spoke two weeks ago to the town council of a small town. Have you seen the Andy Griffith show? Yeah, I was there. And they had just had a resignation and a lawsuit because of a toxic work environment. And it was exactly what you talk about. It wasn't a safe place to be yourself. And I was 45 minutes into... uh, punishment lecture Mm -hmm. for the town council and all the managers and the mayor who looked just like the one in Andy of Mayberry said, Sonny, you know, can I say something? Sure. And I sat down and he stood up and he apologized for how he had contributed to this. And he promised that he would watch his sense of humor and that he would be more respectful and uh, the two women in the room are like in the back doing a happy dance. Um, yeah, it's what that's a good point. That's what you said is real. Yeah, so it, it is real. So as we begin to wrap up, I'm gonna go a little bit in a different direction because of who you are. And, and, and no, it's because you're ADHD. But go on. What book are you reading these days? Oh, you'll be surprised. I'm well. First off, I'm I'm reading I'm I'm reading a wonderful bit on using improv techniques in management by Peter Margaritis, is it? This is not supposed to be a plug for my book, but thank you anyhow. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it's a good book and I've given it to clients and they have loved it. Uh, What's the title, Mr. Margaritis? Uh, Off Script, Mastering the Art of Business Improv. Yeah, it's about flexibility. Uh, And this may sound silly, I'm rereading Business Management by Peter Drucker from 1956. Oh. He is, I don't care, any Peter, any Peter Drucker book is better than most corporate fad books. And then another book that's a wonderful explanation of how organizations work is Catch-22 by Joseph Heller. It's, it's a war novel set in Italy in World War II. And everything in it is about the wackiness of people in business. Catch-22 uh, by whom again? Joseph Heller. Joseph Heller. Right. Yep. Put that, put that on my list. Um, well, thank you for that. Thank, thank you. I wasn't shooting for a plug with my book, but thank you anyhow. Um, you know, Carl, we could talk for hours and we do, yep. um, but we'll have to figure out, we're going to do this like Saturday Night Live. You'll be the first five-timer excellent yeah we'll start on a little we'll get jackets and stuff for those who are five now and we're going to talk about the importance of tire safety in automobiles and the un- unknown benefits of proper wheel weights we'll go to plan b okay <laughs> i can't thank you enough but before we leave how can people find you 
I have a. Uh, it's easy because my name is unusual. If if you go out there and and type in A H L R I C H S and Carl with a K, uh, you'll find me on LinkedIn. You'll find my webpage. My cell phone is there. Uh, I'm I'm very reachable because my name is not easy to spell. And they can also find your e say email too. Oh, uh, well, it's Carl, K-A-R-L, at expertspeaks.com. I didn't use my last name because nobody can spell it. <laughs> Actually, that reminds me. I think you were like on episode six when the first was back in 2016. And I think I misspelled your name. Yeah, you, you did. Had, you had yeah. contact me. Yeah. You know, it's the Alan Deacher switch. That went, but it's oh, okay. The check you sent me cleared the bank, so... That's always good. Well, Carl, thank you so very much. It's always a blast. Thanks for having me. And uh, look forward to when we can find some time to go to the Air Force Museum. I'm in. Cool. Talk to you later, man. I want to thank Carl for his vision and thoughts on how we can move forward and adapt in this volatile business climate. And remember, there are people who prefer to say yes, and there are people who prefer to say no. Those who say yes are rewarded by the adventures they have, and those who say no are rewarded by the safety they obtain. Be a yes person. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>